or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Hey, happy, happy Tuesday to you. I have a lot of things to tell you, so I'm going to jump right in. <laughs> Sandy Rios with you. No, you know, yesterday we talked, we went out to Arizona and talked to Kelly Ward, who is the chairman of the Republican Party out there. And uh, they he- held a hearing last Thursday that was actually pretty powerful uh, about some of their findings. So far, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, who are as many Republicans as they are Democrats, uh, are stonewalling and will not release to them the things that they need. And this morning from Jake Hoffman, I got this, uh, just this interesting list. He, Jake is a freshman uh, representative in their, um, in their house, and he said um, Arizona Senate Judiciary Chairman Warren Peterson. Now, he was um, on the panel with Karen Fan on Thursday hearing the results so far of the audit, the forensic audit. So it was Warren Peterson next to Karen Fan up on that platform, if you watched it. Uh, and he's asking this question. Why isn't the media getting answers for these questions raised at the hearing by the auditors? Number, f- number one, why were 37,000 queries made on the election server on a single day in March, which churned the logs so that the logs from Election Day could not be seen? I know that's a little hard to understand if you haven't followed this. But basically, somebody, uh, 37,000 different queries went into the log. Who did that? Who were those people? Who, what kind of queries? It's just odd. It would be like uh, you looking for something on Google, uh, and you did it 37,000 times in one day. What, what would you be looking for? So, but the thing that that triggered was the system is set up so that if they get, if they get, uh, if it's overwhelmed with queries, it erases information. And that's why they don't have a lot of the information they need from uh, election day up until March when they started, uh, you know, checking what was actually in the computers in regard to the votes. So 37,000 in one day, who did that and why? Why isn't anybody asking that question? The second question is, why won't the county, Maricopa, provide images of the envelopes for the mail-in ballots? And number three, why won't the county provide the Splunk logs? And I can't explain Splunk logs to you, sorry. I should have read more carefully when I was speeding through Splunk logs. Uh, but the next one is, why were duplicate ballots missing the serial numbers as required by law? And why were there multiples with the same number? Why? And so Judiciary Chairman Warren Peterson is saying, why isn't the media asking this question? I want to give you some, uh, Wisconsin's just, they're like a dog with a bone. I'm Wisconsin. 
I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Arizona's like a dog with a bone, and they're not going to let this go. Kelly Ward's not going to let this go. Jake Hoffman isn't, and all of those fine people that are just fighting uh, to get the truth. Uh, so uh, that's, you know, courage breeds courage. I've said that a lot, and it certainly has happened in the States. And in fact, uh, just, yeah, see, this was Jan- this was three days ago. Uh, a Wisconsin lawmaker whose name is Timothy Ramthan, he's a Republican. He has now formally requested a comprehensive audit from former state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman, who is now leading a review of the election at the behest of Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, along with retired police officers, the Legislative Audit Bureau, which lawmakers authorized this earlier. Uh, they want to investig- have them to investigate the election. Ramthon is pushing for the forensic audit after reviewing recently released information from two counties. An election integrity group presented ballot images this week they said show provable fraud occurred in the 2020 hand count audit. Oh, this is Georgia, which we're going to get to today. We're going to spend actually a lot of time on Georgia today in just a few minutes. So that's what spurred him on was the finding in Fulton County, Georgia. And so um, that there, so there, a Wisconsin lawmaker is calling for a full forensic audit. Um, after those Georgia and Arizona updates. And this is an interesting little sidebar, not such good news, but just to put things in perspective, someone has asked the question, and I actually know the answer. Has anyone from our so-called GOP leadership, and they're talking about national, said anything about the Arizona audit or the double-counted ballots in Fulton County? The answer is no. The silence is deafening. Washington And the Republicans in Washington are a disgrace. There are some exceptions, but for the most part, an absolute disgrace. I want to make my point on that in a second, but I had a few other election reports I wanted to give you. Uh, In Pennsylvania, they are also asking for an audit. Pennsylvania Senator Doug Mastriano, uh, I'm sure you saw him during the Pennsylvania hearings. He's a big, big, tall guy uh, with no hair. (laughs) He makes a very strong presence, booming voice, and he is uh, leading this charge uh, he channeled, uh, uh, pa- uh, chairs the Senate Intergovern- Intergovernmental Operations Committee. Uh, uh, and so he's uh, asking for a forensic ex- investigation of the 2020 election in York, Tioga, and Philadelphia counties. Now, two of these counties are fighting back, saying he has lack of jurisdiction. But knowing uh, Doug Mastriano and having seen him, he was just very impressive during that time. I doubt he's going to give up on that easily. So that's, that's also another important story. Now, where are the Republicans? You know, the Republicans in uh, Washington, you think maybe they might say something about this? You know, Fox is not going to say anything about it either because they're like sworn. They cannot say anything that there might not have been, you know, Joe Biden was the duly elected president of the United States, and we can't talk about that nasty stuff. Let's get beyond it. So you can't really rely on Fox to talk about this, but uh, you certainly cannot rely on senators in Washington talk about it. And that's because they have their mind on something else. Chad Program did a report. Let's listen. Wednesday is a big day for infrastructure. Senators will take a test vote to crack a filibuster to launch debate on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. That needs 60 votes, but failing to clear the filibuster bar could derail the bipartisan bill. The White House is playing its cards close to the vest. We're not quite there yet. Uh, There is a lot of good work that's happened. Uh, Two days is a a lifetime in Washington, so uh, I don't think we're going to make predictions of of the death of of the infrastructure package. Republicans who signed on to the infrastructure plan balked because the bill is not yet complete. 
How can I vote for cloture when the bill isn't written? Unless you want program failure, unless Senator Schumer doesn't want this to happen, you need a little bit more time to get it right. They want everything reasonable on their side, not helping us. Again, we can pass this. We just don't need program failure. Yes, so GOP Bill Cassidy, implored oh, that's Senate Majority Leader Chuck. That's enough. I just want to say this. I, I read last week or before I went to Dallas uh, that Mitch McConnell had made a public statement that he was not going to oppose everything that Biden wanted. Don't, don't worry. I'm not going to oppose everything. We're going to try to, you know, uh, do a, a reach a bipartisan agreement. So, you know, bipartisan agreement with uh, communist leftists who want to destroy the country. Just, you know, it's what, what is that, the alligator that... You, you don't negotiate with people that want to destroy you, and yet that's what they're doing. And I want to emphasize what's happening here. I don't talk about D.C. much anymore because I think it's lost. I think I've made that clear, how I feel about that. I kind of wish D.C. would disappear at the bottom of the ocean. I do because they are um, out of control, and it's, it's, it's frightening, and they're doing so much damage, and I wish we could stop them some way. Um, but according to this infrastructure bill, now you you think it's probably roads and you know airports and stuff, right? Oh no, no, no! They want to beef up the IRS so that they can sort of do the they can lowest learner all of us in terms of you know uh, kind of punishing people who feel a certain way by charging you more money, giving you more scrutiny. Uh, they also want to add amnesty. They want to add the Green New Deal. They got all kinds of stuff in mind for you, and it's I think it's about a. Three, as I recall, a three million dollar package, and now they are saying to the Republicans, "If you don't give us everything in this bill, oh, and who are those Republicans? Are the ones that want to work with them? Well, there's Bill Cassidy, yeah, and then there's Senator Mitt Romney, and then there's Ohio's Rob Portman, and then there's Alaska's Lisa Murkowski. They're working hard to help, you know, this bipartisan bill. Uh, so as if it were, wasn't bad enough, the D Democrats are saying very clearly, very plainly, if you don't give us everything we want in this infrastructure bill, we're going to pass another $3 trillion bill with reconciliation. We're going to call it a budget issue, and you just won't have anything to say about it. So I think I'd like to read um, just a, a headline from Red State, which I think kind of sums it up. Republicans rush to prove they are idiots after Democrats promise to, uh, well, I can't say that word, to mess with them. We'll say that. Uh, to set this up, recall the GOP members, Romney, Portman, Murkowski, and Cassidy, are rushing to get a deal done on infrastructure. You know what? I've already explained to you what they're doing. That's why they're, they're idiots. Uh, they are worse. They are our enemies. They are enemies as much as the left are. Uh, history will show that we had, you know, uh, a chamber full of Neville Chamberlain's uh, Neville Chamberlain was the feckless uh, British prime premier that uh, would not fight uh, Hitler. He kept trying to compromise, just giving a little bit more, a little bit more of the Sudetenland. Let's give him Czechoslovakia. Let's give him Poland, you know, because we don't want to fight or anything like that. We'll just give them, give them what they want, and they'll leave us alone. How did that work out? Just asking, how did that work out? But that's what's happening in Washington. And meanwhile, the that's not all that's happening in Washington. Oh, that it were. Wouldn't it be nice if that were all that was happening in Washington? Well, of course, the White House now has signaled very clearly that they are working with social media to surveil, to shut down misinformation. Misinformation about COVID especially. 
because you can't hear everything. You just can't. And the White House wants to make sure that you can't hear everything. And uh, Senator Cruz actually put it very well with Maria Bartiroma on Sunday morning. Let's listen to him. Clip eight. But these latest breakthroughs have real consequence because it now is clear that Facebook was operating at the direction of and in the direct benefit of the federal government and, and operating as the government censor, utilizing their monopoly position to censor on behalf of the government. Yeah, it's quite clear that that's exactly what they're doing. And I want to kind of give it to you from a different uh, perspective. Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, you've seen now on Fox, probably with Tucker a number of times. Glenn is a very is extremely liberal gay, uh, gay journalist. This is what he said. This is the union of corporate and state power, one of the classic hallmarks of fascism that the people who spent five years babbling about fascism support. Um, this is what Jen Psaki said. We are in regular touch with the social media platforms about COVID-19-related misinformation. We're flagging problematic po- problematic posts for Facebook. Glint Greenwald says, if you don't find it deeply disturbing that the White House is flagging Internet content that they deem problematic to their Facebook allies for removal, then you are defini- definitionally an authoritarian. No other information is needed about you to know that. There is no circumstances, none, in which it's acceptable for the White House or any other agency of the government to be providing lists to Facebook or of problematic content it once removed, yet that's exactly what Saki says that they're doing. And uh, there's, that's not all they're doing. Um, Jack Posobiec, Posobiec um, has reported that the Biden administration is now planning to release a list of conservative social media influencers that were followed by January 6th defendants that questioned the integrity of the 2020 election. And that list also includes members of Congress. That's a per a White House official. So uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be on a list, and probably some of you are going to be on a list. We're just going to all be on lists because the White House is very concerned about us talking to each other. We can only say what they want us to say. I could say, I guess I have to say, you must get vaccinated, and, all, and your children, all of them, must be vaccinated. Uh, I know that there's no, uh, well, no, we, we're not going to talk about the part where the vaccination vaccines have not been proven to be effective or safe uh, or all the uh, reported injuries and deaths. We can't talk about that, but we, we, you must, you must get the vaccination. And all of these increased COVID cases, they are because uh, people are not vaccinated. They're not because doctors are not giving proper treatments because the federal government won't let them. Oh, no, that's not it. It's because they haven't vaccinated. So you must be vaccinated. That's, that's I guess, what tomorrow when you tune in, that's what I'll have to say in order to, you know, remain on the air and uh, unpunish. But that's, that's where we're headed. Uh, it's dangerous. And meanwhile, the, the Republican senators are doing a deal with the Democrats to spend $7 trillion more dollars to destroy this country. That's where we are. Except that isn't where we are. We have a God who's omnipotent, omniscient, and we trust him. And as bad as they are, they will never overpower his good goodness. Hi, my name's Eric. And I'm Kendra. And we have been married a little over two years now. Honestly, I think the, the most challenging part of our marriage so far, we're right in the middle of it. We're trying to have kids right now. I have a spinal cord injury, so that makes things a little more difficult. And um, I just am, am dealing with some issues with infertility. The difficulty is on my end. But it's our infertility. But it is our, yeah. Because we're right. one now. <laughs> and I, I think what's really 
helped us through this is keeping Jesus at the center Mm -hmm. of it all and knowing that anything that causes you to lean and depend on Jesus more is actually a blessing. Yes. It's heartening to to know that I have someone who's, she's on my team. Tune into By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. The Department of Veterans Affairs is telling staffers to ally with transgender colleagues. One of my listeners sent me an internal email urging workers to be an active ally. They also provided guidelines on how to use preferred pronouns. The VA says repeatedly misgendering someone can be a source of great distress, and can make colleagues feel disrespected and alienated in the workplace. Acceptable pronouns include he, she, and they. The VA also recommended using neutral pronouns like Z and Zer. Workers are also advised to include their own preferred pronouns in the signature line of their official email addresses, as well as on their personal LinkedIn profiles. Maybe the VA should focus on making sure our veterans have the best access to health care, instead of aligning themselves with a bunch of gender-confused sex and gender revolutionaries. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. That is the great thing about our paper ballot system. It is auditable, it is recountable, and can provide voters the confidence that the outcomes are correct. Once this recount is complete... Everyone in Georgia will be able to have even more confidence in the results of our elections. Despite the massive amounts of misinformation that is being spread by dishonest actors, there are those who are exploiting the emotions of many Trump supporters with fantastic claims, half-truths, misinformation, and frankly, they are misleading the president as well, apparently. 
Oh, well, that, you know what that was, in case you didn't uh, recognize the voice, because it's been a while since we played that. That was the, that is the Secretary of State for Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, uh, claiming, of course, that, uh, I don't think he said it in that statement, but he did say that the election in Georgia went great. It went smoothingly. Nothing to see here. What is the president talking about? The president asked him to look into Fulton County, and he said, no, Fulton County was just terrific that night. The election was great. Except, interestingly enough, that's not what Brad Raffensperger is saying now. He said, uh, just, what, a couple of days ago, every time we think we've reached the peak of Fulton's election mismanagement issues, more comes to light. I've been calling for change in Fulton since day one. Maintaining public confidence in our elections begins in Fulton County. Well, except that's not what he said before in regard to President Trump. He said he's coming up short on this election. He won't be reelected. And I know that he's not pleased with how the results went in other states. I'm very confident in the results we have here in Georgia. And that's the cold, hard truth. Now, let me just add also Raffensperger called for the firing of Rick Barron, who's the Fulton County elections director, and the registration chief, Ralph Jones. Uh, and he, took, he said that the county's continued failures have gone on long enough with no accountability. That was, what, this week? But before, when it really mattered, Raffensperger did nothing. And that's why former New York uh, police chief Bernard Carrick, who uh, is a strong supporter of President Trump, uh, um, is calling him out. I can't read the headline, but he's calling him out, saying he's just full of something uh, because that's he's com- a complete liar. He's done a total flip. Okay, that I'm done on... There's a lot more going on in Georgia than just Raffenberger's misdeeds. And Cleta Mitchell is probably the most um, knowledgeable person uh, in this country about what's going on in Georgia. Uh, Cleta is a senior legal fellow at the Conservative Partnership Institute. That's a D.C.-based think tank uh, founded by Jim DeMint. And before that, Cleta was a, a, a law partner. You, I want you to know, be reminded of this. She was a law partner at a very prestigious firm in D.C., a conservative firm, before she got involved uh, in this election mess with President Trump, time to sort out what the truth was and what it wasn't. And she ended up having to leave her law firm. And after all those years of service, it's really horrible. So I'm delighted that she's at the Conservative Partnership Institute and continuing uh, to offer her expertise to untangle this mess. Cleta, good morning, and thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sandy. Wonderful to be with you. Yeah, great to hear your voice, and I'm glad you're still swinging away, and I'm glad to hear your conservative <laughs> partnership. <laughs> still swinging our, away. Now I get to vote full-time to election integrity work. Yeah, without without constraint. That's the good news. That's the exactly. good part, isn't it? It's the great yeah. news. It's the great yeah, so, news. I mean, like you're not representing the Republican Party. You're not constrained by that either. So, uh, no, what that's do you think? right. Yeah, so tell us what, I know that some of you, and you may have been one of them, were pretty loyal to Brad Raffensperger, or some of my friends were. They thought he was a great guy and uh, defended him. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are about him at this point. I never defended him from day one. He, he's an absolute scoundrel. He's an absolute liar and a scoundrel. And he must think that as the American people, that everybody else is as idiotic and moronic as he is. Uh, because I, I, it's funny that you would play that clip of him then and then now, because I've literally been thinking about going back through and writing a piece that just says, here's what he said then, here's what he said now, because it made yeah. us crazy. I, I was I was dispatched at the request of Mark Meadows, who's now also at the uh, Conservative Partnership Institute, and uh, I was asked, Mark called me the day after the election, asked me to go to Atlanta, and so I've been dealing with Georgia and the post-election in Georgia since November the 4th, 
uh, last oh. year. And I can just tell you that uh, Brad Raffensperger's job was to get to the truth. And he instead, he, he attacked President Trump. He would not do any of the things we kept pointing out to him. I was part of a volunteer legal team. And we kept pointing out these various issues and problems. And now it turns out that his office had even done a review of Fulton County prior to the election in which their own investigator said Fulton County is a mess. It's not prepared for the election. And notwithstanding that, and as you pointed out, when President Trump asked Brad Raffensperger to go into Fulton County and to look into the, all the allegations of fraud and irregularities, and he said, nope, nothing to see here. Everything's fine. Everything's perfect. Uh, and it wasn't perfect then. And now then, uh, and I can talk to you about what's going on in terms of the process, but Brad Raffensperger is a bad actor. He needs to you know, go find another job because being Secretary of State is certainly not something uh, in which he's covered himself with any kind of glory. So I know there's so much to talk about, Cleta, and I want to talk about it, but I just this one news story that came out two days ago, that the Speaker of the Georgia House, excuse me, is now urging a Fulton County, an independent forensic probe of Fulton County. And, and, and how, what, what's the significance of that? Because my understanding, just from per cursory reading, is that he's, he has not been a cheerleader for a, an audit. So explain to me how important this is. Well, um, what's happening in Fulton County, this is truly the, uh, <laughs> the hare and the tortoise. Um, there was there are actually now three lawsuits involving Fulton County. There was one suit filed in December by a group of citizens, and they weren't seeking uh, any kind of uh, overturning of the election. It wasn't an election contest. They were they they were asking for an audit of Fulton County uh, on the basis that Fulton County conducted its election in a manner which was inconsistent with state law and which was different from other counties, which is an equal protection problem for. Uh, voters in Georgia. And the uh, judge was appointed, and the judge has agreed that they should have access to the actual ballots and the ballot envelopes. And this is a court, the difference between what's going on in Fulton County versus what's going on in Arizona and Maricopa County is that this is a court-supervised audit. This is litigation. So you have a judge who's already uh, overseeing this and any issues, they just uh, can deal with the judge in due course as part of the litigation. But the, the, you might be interested to know that the Secretary of State, who isn't even a party to the litigation, um, weighed in and asked the judge not to allow these plaintiffs to have access to the ballot. I mean, this guy, Raffensperger, is unbelievable. I mean, he, I guess he thinks nobody's going to know that he entered, he asked the judge, don't let these people have access to the ballots. He's still arguing that they shouldn't have access to the actual ballots. So far, they've only had access to the images. And the judge has now said that he is going to allow the plaintiffs to be able to come in and look at the actual ballots and the ballot envelopes to try to sort out uh, what did and didn't happen. And just to finish my sentence of a, a moment ago, that case, that case had a number of plaintiffs and um, they sort of, uh, they went their separate ways in terms of they couldn't agree on everything. So that case has been split into two cases. But, and Garland Favorito is the plaintiff in one of them. Uh, and then there are plaintiffs in the other one. And, but 
But those two cases together are assigned to a judge who said, yes, I'm going to allow you to have access to the ballots. And so hopefully the entire uh, audit process will begin in the next uh, several weeks. But um, the other well, case the... has been filed. Well, we'll come, back, come back later, Sandy, and ask me about the second case, because we'll okay. stay on this one for a while. Okay. Okay. Well, of course, my mind is all over the place, Cleta, and I don't have the – I've got lots of information in my head, but I don't have the, the order and the importance of the stuff, so I, I will look to you to make the priorities. Um, just to put this in context, uh, Donald Trump lost by 12,000 votes to Joe Biden. I was just reading an article by Margot Cleveland. She, done, she did a right. great job. Um, Georgia's Secretary of State explains why he's just now discovering more than 10,000 illegal votes cast in 2020. Now, this is like another, just another subsection of this huge story. And basically, it's like there were people, I'm just going to make it simple, 40,000 more and more uh, individuals who moved across county lines 30 days before the election day to vote. Uh, and so now they know that because they've traced their addresses. They've gone back to the address that they were giving beforehand. There are enough pockets of questionable or mishandled uh, or bad conduct or law-breaking that would have changed the outcome, don't you think? Or can you well, say yes. that now? I mean, Sandy, that was included in the election contest. I mean, the group of us who were working for the president, we pulled together uh, all this data. We had 33 categories of illegal votes. Now, some of those were duplicates, but, um, but one of the categories was that uh, category of people who had moved to a new county within the state of Georgia more than 30 days before the election. And they are obligated under state law to change their registration and uh, vote in the place of, their new place of residence and not to go back and vote in their old residence because that registration is being canceled. And we had included in our election contest that we filed December the 4th a 64-page complaint with over 8,000 pages of uh, documents and records and sworn affidavits of illegalities and illegal votes. And we never got a judge to hear the case. The judge was never appointed to hear the case. So we ended up having to dismiss the case. Again, Brad Raffensperger's litigation counsel threatened to come after the lawyers and the president uh, for millions of dollars in uh, sanctions if we didn't dismiss the case. So we had to dismiss it after the electors were certified because it was then moot. But yes, Are this you- was one of the things, this was one of the allegations. In the lawsuit, we had those records, and now over 10,000. And the actual number, just 11,779 votes, that was the actual margin, the third time around, uh, the third number. And in another category, we found 18,325 registrations of the people who voted, whose registrations were at a commercial address, a P.O. box, or a vacant lot. Those are illegal registrations. That in that category in and of itself is enough to overturn the results of the election. And had we been able to present that at a at, at a hearing, at a trial, we could have shown that. But we didn't get a judge appointed. And the, for those people who live in Fulton County and can hear this, Chief Judge Chris Brasher is up for re-election in 2022. And you just need to remember that he did not do his job and he didn't appoint a judge to hear the case. So we never, the president never got his day in court. It's just, 
just another story. It's like Pennsylvania. It's like the Texas case. It's like, and of course, as you and I both know, Cleta, they say repeatedly that, um, you know, no court would hear it because there wasn't evidence. And the truth is that the courts just wouldn't hear it. They didn't look at the evidence. Yes, there was not a there was not a single evidentiary hearing, not one. I mean, in our case, they just didn't even appoint a judge. In the other cases, they said either the plaintiffs lacked standing to bring the case, or it wasn't. They, it was dismissed on procedural grounds, or, or some something that had nothing to do with the actual underlying substance. And in our case, we didn't file a constitutional challenge. We filed an election contest. Um, under Georgia law, and if and the law in Georgia is that if you can demonstrate in an adversary proceeding that there are more illegal uh, or questionable votes included uh, in the in the certified count than the margin between the candidates, the remedy is a new election. Well, they were going to have a new election in January. They were going to have a statewide election That's because right. they That's right. were having that Senate runoff. And I contend that David Perdue should never have been in a runoff in the first place. I think that's one of the things we'll find from Fulton County, uh, from this litigation. But, Fanny, let me give you just a couple bullet points about what they found so far okay. in um, Fulton County, if I might. Sure, they, please. Um, they have these batches. They conducted this audit. It, the audit was a joke. The recount was a joke. But let's just we'll put that aside for the moment. They're, they had they put the ballots they put into batches of 100, and there are 153 batch reports that were delivered from Fulton. All of these were delivered from Fulton County to the Secretary of State's office. There are 153 batch summer reports that are missing. Missing. They don't even know where they are. That's 15,300 ballots. They don't know where they are. There are at least another in a, a report batches uh, that are duplicates, at least 33 duplicate batches, between 33 and 37, there, which is, again, remember, that's 100 ballots in each batch. That's another 3,300 3, votes that were potentially duplicates. And you can see they posted, you can see that some of these ballots are clearly duplicated. And there, that's another 3,300. Now, what is that about? There are counterfeit ballots, uh, potentially counterfeit ballots that many people reported to us. And this was also included in the election challenge, what were, began to be called pristine ballots. These are supposed to be absentee ballots. Well, a, a legitimate absentee ballot in Georgia has to be mailed, and it has to be folded, and it has to be placed in an envelope. A ballot that has never been folded an absentee ballot that's never been folded is not a, it's not a legitimate ballot. And there are Cleta, we, thousands of those. Cleta, we have to take a, a short break here, but I, I want I want to hear more. And I also, I would love your speculation on what happened in a Republican House and Senate and a Republican governor, Republican secretary of state, uh, what your, if you feel free to talk about your speculation about why they behaved the way they did, which just means they were—they just absented themselves and, and um, undermined any kind of justice in this issue. It's just pretty shocking. Cleta Mitchell, again, is with the Conservative Partnership Institute, a senior legal fellow. We'll be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at sandy at AFR.net. That's sandy at AFR.net. 
Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Here's the problem. Leftists always think that if their goal doesn't get hit, doesn't meet, it's everybody else's fault. Newsflash, stop being a pest. Stop pressuring everybody. Stop throwing it in people's faces. You know, people typically have like a revolt when somebody tells them what to do. If you want people to get vaccinated at a higher rate, just provide the information, step back, and let adults manage their own lives. This is a free country. People are going to do what they want to do. Listen, I'm 42 years old. I had COVID-19. I'm not getting vaccinated because I don't want to. It has nothing to do with what the Surgeon General says. It has nothing to do with what Joe Biden wants. That is my own decision as a free-thinking human being. I don't want to do it. I don't want the shot. You have millions of Americans who are like that. Leave us alone. But I think it's important for the American people to understand that these things, this is actually the road to serfdom. When you allow a government entity like the White House or any other government entity to begin to take on more and more power and step outside of what they are authorized to do, then they have these bright ideas that they are the ones that get to shape reality for everybody else. This is a real problem for them because they could have just stopped and said, we recommend people to get vaccinated. Please go get this, the vaccine. There are plenty. They're available. But they've gone way past that. They're now putting pressure on social media companies to censor speech in our country. That is not the job of the president of the United States. All right, that was Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida. And boy, he's becoming a superstar. He's just, he packs a punch every time you see him on television. Now he's talking there about uh, the repression uh, of misinformation. Yeah, misinformation on COVID. But I played that because it certainly applies to our conversation with Cleta Mitchell here because... At the same time, they don't want you to hear misinformation about elections. I mean, I guess I talk about the two forbidden topics every single day. As long as I can, as long as we are able to do this, we're going to do it so you can find out what the truth is. And so um, uh, Byron is right about that. We are moving in. We were rapidly moving into a totalitarian state. And state. Well, we can still talk about it. We need to know what happened that got us into this mess, that, that January, uh, that November election gave us a president and a White House filled with communist leftists. They are. They're trying to deconstruct and destroy this nation, and we are feeling, we are groaning already under the strain of it, and we have, we've, they've just begun. They have just begun, and we have every right to talk about what happened on November 3rd and what went wrong. Cleta Mitchell, again, is with the Conservative Partnership Institute as a senior legal fellow. She's an election expert, and let's go back to Fulton County, Cleta, Uh, Just to summarize what you said, in a number of ways, between missing ballots and duplicate batches and people who moved out of their district to vote uh, just a few days before the election that went back to their prior address, there are thousands and thousands of uh, ballots that have been miscast. And the the, the, the separation between President Trump and Joe Biden was something like 10,000 votes. So we know something was rotten in Denmark. Well, I guess the question is you have a, in Georgia, there's a Republican House and a Republican Senate and a Republican governor, a Republican secretary of state. Are they now And a Republican actually, attorney general. It, so now, now are they going to get on board with this? Are they actually now uh, going to find their uh, whatever it was they didn't have and find it now and actually fight this thing? Like the Speaker of the Georgia House is now asking for this in, in, independent forensic probe. I mean, are they really finding some kind of courage, do you think? Well, it's too late for them to find their courage. Now, the attorney general could find a little courage and help fend off these lawsuits. 
um, that have been filed. There have been like nine lawsuits filed challenging the new uh, Georgia election reform law that was enacted to try to keep these bad things from happening in the future. And But, you know, it's too late for Brad Raffensperger, and it's too late for the Secretary of State, I mean, the Secretary of State, the governor. The governor was horrible. The governor didn't help. The lieutenant governor, who is uh, in some states is not a uh, very powerful office. It's a very powerful office in Georgia. The, he, the lieutenant governor actually serves as president of the Senate. Let me tell you what that guy did. He's a Republican. He did nothing. There are some House and Senate members in Georgia who were terrific. Uh, I would refer people to go to the website of Senator William Ligon, L-I-G-O-N. He has all the hearings uh, and testimony that was uh, that the Senate Committee um, on Elections uh, undertook immediately in November and December. Um, but some of those senators who were trying to do things, the Senate president, um, replaced them, booted them off their committee. They What's punished his name? them. Not What's only did name? he not help, he punished them, but he's not running for re-election. Raffensperger says he's running for re-election. There are, are a couple of good candidates running against him. Uh, I hope they don't split the vote and get that. Uh, but Jody Heiss, who's a congressman, uh, is running against him. There's another gentleman running. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. But the attorney general, somebody in Georgia, some good lawyer needs to run against the attorney general. But if he doesn't fight, because he... His office was, uh, they hired outside counsel, the litigation counsel, who did everything they could to stop our election contest. They're the ones who wrote the letter saying, if you'll dismiss the cases, uh, we, the election contest will give you access to all the secret data that the Secretary of State kept saying he would, uh, that, he, that we didn't have, that would prove that we were wrong. So the cases were dismissed because they also said, and if you don't dismiss, we're going to see you come after you for millions of dollars. Um, so we dismissed the cases and said, okay, now we'd like to see the data. They said, oh, well, we really didn't mean that. So, oh but look, I mean, I think here's what happened. I mean, I think, and I think, you know, our people, people know this. I mean, that's why people look and say, I mean, commentators, left-wing people and the establishment, they look and say, how can all of these voters still support President Trump? Well, I'll tell you why. Because he, he stood up for our values. He fought back. He's still fighting back. He didn't shrink uh, from the battle, if anything. You know, that's what people say, oh, he's too, uh, he fought too much. No, he didn't fight too much. But that's why, that's why I and tens of millions of other Americans still support him in the sense that he stood up and fought for us and our values and our beliefs, and he didn't run away from that. And he got stronger and stronger as president in terms of fighting for our values. And... Um, and, and other Republicans get elected, and they don't do that. They don't do it. That's why I say I'm an American and a Christian and a, and a conservative, but I'm, uh, you know, I, and fourth or fifth down the line is Republican. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yes, not even on the radar anymore. I'm so disgusted. I started the show this morning, Cleta, talking about what's happening in D.C. right now with the infrastructure bill and uh, the, the the compromise of uh, Mitt Romney and uh, – uh, Rob Portman and the and Lisa Murkowski, all of them. There, Mitch McConnell's a feckless statement last week that he or two weeks ago that he would not uh, fight. He wouldn't oppose Joe Biden on everything. And he, they would find bipartisan compromise. So that's what they're busy doing. Uh, they're worthless. They're worthless. They are worthless. Uh, they're worse but than Sandy, worthless. Sandy, I want to tell people if they want to help with this Georgia litigation, can I tell people a website? It's actually just yes. a, a donation link. 
Um, if you and it's not a website, so you can't Google this. But if you want to help pay for this audit, www.voterscount.org. That's all one word. Voterscount.org. But you have to put in the exact website address, the URL, www.voterscount.org. And if okay. you do that, you can help, you can make a contribution that will pay for the auditors. They've got, this is all going to be privately funded. It's not going to have any state money funding this. And so it's very important. I think to have this court supervised audit, they need to hire uh, document examiners, fraud examiners. They're going to, they need to take depositions of those five poll workers who were seen on the video scanning ballots multiple times in the middle of the night on election night after they ran off all the observers in the media. I mean, there's a lot to see. And we, we collectively, all of us, because of these people who filed the lawsuit, because we have a judge who's finally willing to say, I'm willing to let the case go forward and get to the truth, we can help pay for that and we can make this happen and we can get to the truth. But it's going to take all of us pitching in. So I hope people will, just any amount that you can give, www.voterscount.org. That's how we can help pay for this. And let me just uh, say, as I have been doing daily, uh, things are not what they used to be on the Internet. And so uh, I, I would, I'd like to post these things on my Facebook page, which we will, but you might not see it. You probably won't see it. And so I'm trying to get people to understand, to go to the source, and then look. You can still, for instance, on this Margot Cleveland article, which talks a lot about Cleta's, all the work she did with this lawsuit and, and others in her team, um, it's at the Federalist. So what you'd want to do is go to the Federalist and then look for Georgia Secretary of State Explains. Uh, there it's, it's a lot more to the title, but that's it's Margot Cleveland is the author. It requires more work on all of your parts to find this stuff. It just is going to otherwise, but soon it's going to be leaving us completely. So while you can still find information, do the work of it. It's uh, <clears throat> the Federalist. It's Georgia Secretary of State Explains. And it's written by Margot Cleveland. And on this uh, website that Cleta just gave, same thing. You need to write it down. Don't don't assume that you can go home and Google it or duck duck go it or whatever it is that you do. Um, you need to. It's VotersCount.org. VotersCount.org. And if you jot that down, and that's how you can help with that Georgia recount. Is that particular website helping any other recounts? Is it just specifically no, Georgia? No, it's just it right now. It is just for the Georgia litigation. And one of the things I have to tell you, and we didn't talk about what's going on in Maricopa County, but just briefly, the difference is because that is a, that's led by the uh, state Senate and because it involves state funds, now you have the uh, left-wing groups coming in, filing all these open record demands to get to all the correspondence, all the communications, all the contracts, subcontracts. This, because, and I have to tell you this, that the advantage to having private litigation brought by citizens overseen by a judge, and that's what's going on in Fulton County, and having a judge who's willing to say, I'm going to let this, um, we're going to get to the truth. We're going to, yes, you're going to get to have access to the ballots and the envelopes, but um, it's a big problem in, in Maricopa County because the county has, has stonewalled and has refused to turn over some basic materials right. that are necessary for their audit. 
So now the uh, state Senate is going to have to go back to court and see if they can get a court order to get the remaining data that they were promised. And the county has said it would turn over, that it was supposed to turn over. And they still have, they say, well, you have it. You, we, you have it. But they can't. They don't have I know. It. We just talked. We spent a lot of time on Arizona yesterday with Kelly Ward. Yeah, trying to ferret that all out, Cleta. And I think the thing about Arizona, I think you would agree, they've been kind of inspirational for so many other states, who are yes, even have. Wisconsin now is trying to go, you get a forensic audit. But now let me ask you. You know, now in Arizona, they've made uh, much of saying that this is about voter integrity and about cleaning up, so that Arizona voters, regardless of their persuasion can have confidence in their system. And that's a, that's a noble goal, for sure. But they are very quick to say it's not about the 2020 election. In Georgia, um, I, uh, am I correct to think that if, even if you can prove and get some sort of official declaration uh, that uh, thousands and thousands of votes were miscast or lost or double-counted or whatever, and there's enough to change the outcome of that election, does that change anything in Georgia? Could it? No, and, and well, let me tell you about the second case that I'm uh, drawing oh, yes. now. The third case. We only have a couple Very of minutes. Quickly, is that it is actually an election contest with regard to the Senate races, and it's assigned to the same judge. I call this a water- waterfall litigation. Once the litigation uh, uncovers uh, these issues with regard to the uh, 2020 election for president, et cetera, the next case will kick in, and it could it, it could turn. The Senate. Wow. So, but it would require this judge to hold steadfast and let the let the thing proceed. Yes, and so far he that other case is basically on hold until this litigate this audit litigation is completed. It is not seeking to turn uh, overturn the election. It is seeking a declaratory judgment that the Fulton County results cannot be uh, are not reliable and to issues some kind of an order about uh, future elections in Fulton County. The other case, the second case that's waiting in the wings, is actually an election contest uh, of Senator Perdue. Wow. All right. Well, we, we have to follow up on that. That's fascinating. And I wish we'd had more time actually to flesh that out. But Cleta, <clears throat> the thing of it is, and I've alluded to this, this is the forbidden topic. And you know that they're going yes, to is. to squash yes, us is. even more. You know, just shut up, shut up, shut up. Misinformation, don't say any more. So all the more reason why we have to speak, 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 speak about it, which is what we're doing. And I just hope that the truth uh, will break through with a refreshing, like a refreshing breeze uh, to all of us in all of America. Akleta Mitchell, thank you so much for all you've done and the price that you've paid. You've been a great example of courage, and we appreciate it. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.